0: This convention is a mess. By accident? or design. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling there's something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the From middle From Pacifica with Radio you. in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM, People Powered Radio in LA, in Oregon on, on 91.7 FM, KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 play. FM and in Queso in Cottage night. Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93FM WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5FM KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN 94.1FM. And AM 950 KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation. Radio or not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Blanketing, Planet Earth, five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell-if-exhausted fellow from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. And boy, howdy, will it be once again? We'll be going to uh, Cleveland shortly to try to make sense of it all coming out of the uh, out of the third night of the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. But in the meantime, boy, news sure does move quickly around here these days. Or as Dorothy might say, my. People come and go so quickly. Yes, yes, they do. Uh, We will have, as I say, coverage of another remarkable night at the RNC in a moment. But this just in as we go to air, it is now official. It is official and also uh, serving to once again step on the Republican convention just as we go to air. Roger Ailes, the longtime 20 year mastermind, some might say evil genius, behind Fox News, uh, is now officially out. He has been fired. He has been pushed out on the same day that Donald Trump is to officially accept the Republican nomination for president of the United States. That, by the way, I don't believe he would have ever been able to get had it not been for the way Roger Ailes helped to twist the minds of the American electorate with the right wing, uh, wing wingnut propaganda and nonsense that he's been pushing out over at Fox News uh, for over the past 20 years. Uh, You're nodding at me, does he? Oh, yes. I'm just
1: thinking about the great documentary, The The Brainwashing of My Dad.
0: Yes, The Brainwashing of My Dad. We had the filmmaker on a couple of weeks ago. And that's exactly what it is. That is exactly what uh, Fox News has done to America. It has twisted them. It has brainwashed them. And frankly, I think it's resulted in a broken Republican Party, if not a a broken country, that would end up taking a Republican candidate like Donald Trump seriously, seriously enough to make him their uh, nominee of, of one of the two major parties in this country. Uh, And see him right now being, uh, all things being equal, tied with the uh, presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton in national polls. It's just amazing. None of it could have happened without Roger Ailes. Uh, But for some uh, details here, uh, he resigned as he was allowed to resign as chairman and CEO of Fox News after days of speculation as to his future with the network after a sexual harassment suit was filed against him by a former anchor, Uh, this from NBC's breaking uh, coverage here, 21st Century Fox co-chairman Rupert Murdoch will take over as CEO and chairman of the Fox News Channel uh, and the Fox Business Network. The uh, the company said Rupert Murdoch himself is about uh, 300 years old. Roger Ailes has made a remarkable contribution to our company and our country. Roger uh, shared my vision of a great and independent television organization and executed it brilliantly over 20 great years, Murdoch said in a statement about the guy who has had now sexual harassment complaints reportedly from some 20 women over just the past few days. So he fires Ailes and then goes out and lauds him as a fantastic guy, doesn't even uh, mention why it is he's being let go. I don't know if that's going to set well. AP reports that uh, Roger Ailes is out as chief executive at Fox News Channel. His career at the network was built from scratch, uh, that he built the network from scratch and ran it with an iron hand for 20 years over with um, and that career is now over with stunning swiftness, they say, following allegations that he forced out a former anchor. After she spurned his sexual advances,
1: and good for her, good for her for getting out there and doing that. That would that be made this happen.
0: Yeah, indeed, and that would be uh, Gretchen Carlson. And finally, uh, someone has done it. It took many years, apparently, of this going on. Uh, she charged that he sabotaged her career because she refused his suggestions for sex and had complained about a pervasive atmosphere of sexual harassment at Fox in general. Ailes has denied those charges. But yet, uh, 21st Century Fox hired a law firm to investigate. Several Fox employees jumped to Ailes' defense. But Megan Kelly, one of Fox's top personalities, did not jump to his, uh, his defense. And in rapid succession over just the past few days, it has been reported that Kelly was among other women who had told investigators about the harassment. Within two weeks of the court filing, Carlson's lawyers said more than 20 women had contacted the firm with stories of alleged... Harassment by Ailes, either against them uh, or someone that they knew. Uh, His legacy, as we mentioned, is going to uh, last a long time and not necessarily in a good way separate and apart from these sexual harassment charges. Matt Sinkowitz, communications professor at Boston College, is quoted in this AP report saying that uh, Ailes was ahead of his time in recognizing that dividing not uniting an audience would be the key to commercial success in the 21st century cable news business. And on that point, he was absolutely right. And I guess he was brilliant if you don't give a damn about your nation, if you don't give a damn about the electorate in your nation.
1: Or the truth.
0: Or the truth. Or facts.
1: Or reality.
0: Ailes blew apart the notion that public affairs programming should target a broad audience with civil debates. Said Senkowitz. oh, you think? Yeah, he kind of did blow that apart, didn't he? We try to have civil debates here anyway. We don't do, actually, we don't do debates, uh, out-and-out debates in general, unless you heard yesterday's show, I suppose, with Jimmy Dore, when he and I were debating just a little bit.
1: Yeah, but it's not a setup for conflict and debate, which is, you know, which doesn't actually go anywhere.
0: They point out that Ailes groomed no obvious successors despite his advanced age, uh, and he has uh, been so identified with the brand of Fox News that many have a hard time envisioning the network without him. Will his successor lack Ailes' political instincts or tone down aggressive opinion? That could make Fox more broadly palatable, but also risks alienating the uh, wingnut audience. I added the word wingnut, uh, not AP, that has uh, grown to love Fox and made it such a success even while destroying the country along with it. So that's the breaking news today. That is once again stepping on the uh, uh, the, the Republican National uh, Convention here. Day three was make America first again. Not that you would necessarily know it, even if had you watched hours of coverage as I did, and I as I know you did, Desi Doyen. Uh, Day three was the night that Indiana Governor Mike Pence officially accepted the nomination for vice president. But a couple of other things happened that may have made it such that you hadn't even heard. What? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Once again, uh, there wasn't a whole lot about uh, what a great president Donald Trump would make on day three. Almost nothing on what his policies would actually be as president of the United States. There has been almost zero about that uh, over the past uh, three of the first four nights. And once again, the only folks actually lauding Trump for the most part were his own family members. On night three, it was Eric Trump who gave a hell of a good speech, by the way. Really good. Uh, But even that. Uh, The GOP and or the uh, Trump campaign seems to have managed to screw up here. Okay, here's what happened. If you haven't heard, after Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, one of the failed Republican presidential candidates this year who spoke uh, on on day three of the RNC, he gave his own barn burner of a speech. And it was a barn burner of a speech. Um offering a case for what these folks now regard as uh, conservatism, thanks to Fox News, who has completely bastardized the, the definition of the word conservatism. Uh, and after asking folks, as Walker did, to vote for Donald Trump without really singing his praises, but rather hoping to scare people about Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, that's what, that's what they're doing. And by the way, that is so far, that is in large part what Hillary Clinton is doing about Donald Trump. Uh, More than making a case for herself, she's trying to scare the people about Donald Trump. And I should add, with good reason. (laughs) Uh, In any event, Walker talked. Then another failed 2016 presidential candidate, Marco Rubio, offered a... um, a 90-second 90, uh, 90 pre-taped sort of endorsement, kind Literally of. Literally
1: the least he could do. Yes,
0: it was the least he could Well, actually, the least he could do was not say anything at all. This is true. Which, by the way...
1: But as far as showing up, that is the least he can do. Ted, not show
0: up. Uh, correct. Well, it's the least he could do. Ted Cruz, uh, he could have done less, not say anything at all, which is something that Ted Cruz might have thought about doing, but he didn't, uh, because then uh, the fun really started. Cruz, Ted Cruz... Uh, who came in second place, I guess, in the uh, Republican primary this year. He gave a very cruisy speech, is the way to put it nicely. He capitalized on the pain of a nine-year-old girl, the daughter of one of the uh, Dallas police officers who was gunned down two weeks ago, claiming that the uh, officer was protecting those who mocked him, though there's really no evidence that the Dallas police were being mocked by the peaceful uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protesters. That were uh, they were marching with when the uh, when the police officers were killed in Dallas a few weeks ago.
1: Details, shemitals. In
0: fact, it was quite the opposite. There was pictures of the marchers with the police, oh, everybody yeah. smiling, having a good time in this protest until the gunshots rang out. Thanks to guys like Cruz, uh, who have been you know making sure that anybody can get these sorts of high-powered automatic, uh, semi-automatic weapons. In any event, Cruz offered what I think was a top-flight uh, red meat right-wingerism, as now referred as conservatism speech, uh, at least referred that way by the corporate media and the other suckers who fall for it. Uh, Cruz lied about Benghazi and uh, claiming that, uh, as both the disinformed and disingenuous Republicans do, that Hillary and the Democrats responded to the deaths of U.S. personnel Uh, In Benghazi, Libya, thereby saying, quote, what difference does it make? And thanks to Roger Ailes uh, today, I don't think we have time to play the full context of what Hillary Clinton actually said. Uh, But suffice to say, for the moment, it was nothing like the uh, Republicans enjoy uh, mischaracterizing what she said. No, she did not say what difference does it make that uh, four uh, Americans were killed in that uh, in that assault? Um, Cruz went on to speak about freedom. Freedom. While Republicans don't actually care anything about freedom, it seems to me. Uh, And uh, we have some news that sort of backs that up right now. The NBA, this is just coming in, Des. uh, The NBA has now pulled its 2017 All-Star game from Charlotte, North Carolina, in response to North Carolina's transgender bathroom law. Wow. Speaking of Republicans not caring about freedom. So uh, way to go, North Carolina. The free market says uh, you just lost a whole bunch of money because of your lack of freedom, Uh, freedom of, uh, you know, for for people to complain, uh, to, to file discrimination suits when they are discriminated against. So that's just your freedom has just cost you there, Republicans. Well done. Uh, Anyway, uh, Cruz, uh, back to Cruz. I told you the news comes and goes quickly today, doesn't it? He mentioned, uh, Cruz mentioned the Brexit vote in the UK, which got a huge cheer from the crowds. Don't know if they realized it or not, but they're actually cheering the instability of the European Union. They're cheering the EU crumbling in the bargain, which was amazing. So all anyway, all was going well enough. It was a great speech uh, for this type of thing uh, for, from Ted Cruz until it got to the part of the speech where it seemed he was going to be finally endorsing Donald Trump, the man who had called him Lion Ted for so many months, who attacked the attractiveness of Ted Cruz's wife, who suggested Cruz's father had something to do with the assassination of JFK. And, well, here's, here's, uh, here's what happened at that moment on the uh, convention floor in Cleveland.
2: To those listening, please don't stay home in November. If you love our country and love your children as much as I know that you do stand and speak and vote your conscience vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution
0: so he didn't endorse Trump he said vote your conscience apparently that's controversial at a Republican convention vote your conscience endorse <laughs> trump endorse trump, Indoors trump.
2: The enthusiasm of the New York delegation
1: I don't think that's enthusiasm
0: and I don't think it's just the New York delegation we will
2: unite the party we will unite the country by standing together for shared values by standing for Liberty God bless each and every one of you and God bless the United States of America. <laughs>
0: Man alive! How's that uniting going? Uh, that's what happened on uh, on night three. That is the thing that's gotten most of the headlines. Uh, as people started booing him, by the way, Donald Trump himself walked into the room and started uh, stepping on. Right at the end of uh, Cruz's speech, there started stepping on Cruz's the end of Cruz's remarks by coming into the room. I, I mean, this was ugly. This was incredible. This was, uh, well, ugly. Uh, Rosie Gray at BuzzFeed uh, said that, in fact, Cruz had made his decision clear to Trump two days ago that he would not be doing an out-and-out endorsement. So Trump knew about this in advance. They allowed it to go ahead anyway. That's according to Cruz advisor uh, Jason Johnson. Uh, He had told Trump directly two days ago, two days ago, that there would be no endorsement. According to BuzzFeed News, um, Johnson said that uh, the two had a phone call while Cruz was in D.C. Trump called Cruz. They spoke on the phone asking how Trump took the news. Johnson said, uh, quote, not going there. And uh, Cruz stuck to the prepared text, which was released by the RNC well ahead of the speech. So they knew that this was coming and they let it go forward anyway. Uh, Maybe they didn't mind. Because it has, in fact, served to uh, bring a lot of Republicans, uh, you know, fe- I guess feeling sorry for Donald Trump, feeling angry at uh, Ted Cruz. Uh, maybe this is uh, ultimately smart for, uh, for Donald Trump. Nonetheless, uh, Trump tweeted not long after the, uh, after the convention had ended last night, Wow, Tred- Ted Cruz got booed off the stage, didn't honor the pledge, the pledge that uh, all of the candidates had taken Uh, Earlier in the uh, in the primary cycle to support whoever became the uh, to support whoever became the uh, Republican Party's nominee, Trump said in his tweet, I saw his speech two hours early, but let him speak anyway. No big deal. So it's amazing. Uh, This morning, uh, Cruz spoke to the Texas delegates. Uh, about what happened last night. Here was his opinion. Uh, Here was his thoughts. He is standing by what he did at the Republican convention on Wednesday night. I will
2: tell you, when I stood on that debate stage and they asked every candidate there, if you don't win, will you support the nominee? I raised my hand and I raised my hand enthusiastically with full intention of doing exactly that. And I'll tell you the day that pledge was abrogated. The day that was abrogated was the day this became personal and as I said at the time, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into criticizing or attacking Donald Trump, but I'll just give you this response. I am not in the habit of supporting people who attack my wife and attack my father. And that pledge was not a blanket commitment that if you go and slander and attack Heidi, that I'm going to nonetheless come like a servile puppy dog and say thank you very much for maligning my wife, and maligning my father.
0: Just, uh, amazing. So that was uh, Ted Cruz, who was, uh, I guess, uh, keeping his eyes on, well, in theory, on on 2020. Uh, His chances to run for president in 2020. Don't know how well that endeared him to the Republican Party. Um, But uh, Steve Schmidt, who has been uh, quite smart on this, uh, it's quite a good former campaign consultant, uh, campaign chief for John McCain. He uh, now is an MSNBC uh, contributor. Uh, here here was his, co- and, and he's been doing a very good job, I think, of, of pulling, of explaining what the hell is going on with his experience. Uh, here's uh, Steve Schmidt right after all of this.
3: This is a weird night at the GOP convention. It's a remarkable
4: night. That was a remarkable political moment for the number two finisher not to endorse his chief opponent in the course of the race. And obviously Ted Cruz is all in. He's taken a position. He believes that Donald Trump will lose in November. Ted Cruz will be vindicated. He will set himself up as the front-runner for 2020. And I also think it was a great speech. It was a speech, maybe the first one of this convention, articulating what the Republican party believes in, what it stands for. In many ways, it was the first grown-up speech of the convention, the first adult speech.
0: But, but he's counting on being
4: booed today, yet cheered tomorrow.
0: absolutely. Booed today and cheered tomorrow. We'll see how well uh, he is cheered tomorrow. All of this has served to step on uh, e- even our plans here, by the way, to uh, to play any part of the really long acceptance speech by uh, Indiana Governor Mike Pence. Let's see if we can uh, fit in about uh, two minutes of it, because I think that this is an important uh, piece of the, uh, of the speech to hear, even for... Democrats perhaps particularly for Democrats here's uh, Governor India, uh, Indiana Governor Mike Pence during his formal acceptance speech for the nomination for Vice President of the United States.
3: You know, in so many ways the Democratic Party has abandoned those it used to protect. Maybe they become too entrenched in power. So comfortable at times that they lose patience with the normal legislative process. It's so much simpler to impose their values by executive order or court action. And make no mistake about it, Hillary Clinton has some big ideas along those lines, too. As this election approaches, every American should know that while we're filling the presidency for the next four years, this election will define the Supreme Court for the next 40. We all better think very carefully, very carefully about what this means for our Constitution and limited government. Elect Hillary Clinton and you better get used to being subject to unelected judges using unaccountable power to take unconstitutional actions. So let me say, for the sake of the rule of law, For the sake of the sanctity of life, for the sake of our Second Amendment, and for the sake of all our other God-given liberties, we must ensure that the next president appointing justices to the Supreme Court is Donald Trump.
0: That was that was Mike Pence, uh, part of his acceptance speech there, uh, talking, uh, noting correctly that this election will define the Supreme Court for the next 40 years, talking in one breath about uh, protecting the Constitution and then describing the uh, judges as unelected and using unaccountable power to take unconstitutional actions. That's kind of remarkable. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's kind
1: of the basis of the Constitution, how the judicial branch
0: works. But pay attention, uh, you know, because there's a lot of Democrats. Again, we had that uh, spirited debate with our friend Jimmy Dore yesterday saying that, you know, essentially saying that he'd be just as happy to see Donald Trump in there as he would Hillary Clinton. Something with which I wholeheartedly disagree As no particular supporter of Hillary Clinton's here, uh, I'm looking at the fact, I'm looking at what uh, this particular Republican administration would mean to this country, uh, particularly given uh, Donald Trump's comments about NATO, which we're going to have to push off to a little bit later in the show because I know uh, my guest is standing by. So let's take a quick break. We will discuss all of this and more after the break. Uh, And then we'll head to uh, Cleveland to speak with a former Republican presidential candidate right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time only contribution.
2: a return to freedom. Your freedom to choose your child's education, your freedom to provide for your family without the IRS beating down your door. Freedom means free speech not politically correct safe spaces. Whether you are gay or straight, the Bill of Rights protects the rights of all of us to live according to our conscience. Freedom means the right to keep and bear arms and to protect your family. Freedom means Supreme Court justices who don't dictate policy. And freedom means recognizing that our Constitution allows states to choose policies that reflect local values. Freedom will bring back jobs and raise wages. Freedom is just
1: another word for nothing left
0: to lose. Nothing. That's all that Bob left me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Ted Cruz has much to lose at this point anyway. And yeah, freedom, freedom uh, to choose your own local values and freedom for the free market to respond. As the NBA now has uh, pulled the All-Star game out of North Carolina over their discriminatory uh, LGBT uh, bathroom law. So there's some freedom for you, Senator. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com with you here. Well, a big story coming out of day three of the Republican National Convention in Cleveland is not the message of the Trump-Pence campaign as to why America should support them this November, if such a coherent message actually even exists at this point. Uh, Or even the fine job that some of his surrogates like uh, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker or Trump's son Eric offered at the convention on Wednesday night. None of that has been the story, but rather the media talk today is all about the controversy of second place presidential primary finisher Ted Cruz's refusal to officially endorse Donald Trump during his primetime speaking slot on Wednesday night and and how uh, Cruz was ultimately pretty much booed off the stage for it. That story, distracting also from what was a pretty good red-meat right-winger argument put forward by Ted Cruz in his remarks up until that point, uh, was, was overshadowed because he didn't specifically endorse Trump And that has largely been eclipsed only by Trump's own remarks to The New York Times last night that he wouldn't necessarily come to the aid of fellow NATO countries if they were attacked. That, in contravention of the 65-year-old military agreement after World War II among the 28 member nations that currently make up the NATO PAC. Well, between that... And the two days prior devoted to the controversy over Melania Trump's use of words stolen from Michelle Obama's 2008 convention speech for her own speech on Monday and the refusal by the Trump campaign to even admit it until late Wednesday. All of that. Well, Donald Trump has promised an unconventional convention and he seems to have delivered one at this point. But is this what he had in mind? Maybe it is. Here to talk about all of this, joining us from Cleveland, where he tells me he is attending his 11th Republican National Convention, is Fred Carger, formerly a Republican political consultant, still a gay rights activist and a 2012 candidate for the Republican presidential nomination. He worked on nine presidential campaigns, served as a senior consultant to the campaigns of Presidents Ronald Reagan and Gerald Ford, after taking on the Mormon Church recently for their support in banning marriage equality in California and elsewhere, Fred became the first openly gay presidential candidate from any major political party in American history. He's the subject of the documentary film, Fred. He has been helping us out throughout the primaries and the debates to try to make sense of this all from the uh, Republican point of view, such as there is one anymore. Fred Carger, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend. Hey
4: very much, Brad. Oh, live from Cleveland.
0: Yeah, always great to have Italy. you here, wherever you are live from. Uh, and I know you're at uh, some uh, gathering there, and if there's music in the background, hope listeners will forgive us here. This is your 11th RNC, Fred. That goes back 44 years, if my math is right. Uh, your first Republican convention was the 1972 re-election convention for Richard Nixon? That was it.
4: I was a Young voter for the president, because I was actually young man.
0: Well, yeah, well uh, were were you a creep? Were you actually part of the committee to reelect <laughs> the president back then for Nixon?
4: No, I was actually working. I just graduated from college. I was working for Senator Charles Percy on his re-election campaign from Illinois. So I was down as a part of that campaign and got hooked and been coming to them every year since, except I missed uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. The McCain
0: one. Uh, yeah, you didn't miss much. I saw that one. All right, so, <laughs> uh, so were you in the room last night during the Ted Cruz brouhaha, Fred? I was. I was
4: one of the booers.
0: Oh, were you? Well, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, did, how uh, <laughs> w- Was it as bad as it sounded on TV? What was it like in, in the room?
4: Isolated booze spread around, but uh, pretty hostile, angry convention floor, I'd say, and justifiably so.
0: Well, uh, Donald Trump uh, told the New York Times that uh, when you are in that hall and you see those people, like yesterday, my daughter called up. She said, Dad, I've never seen it. It's total love. Is it total love at the convention for Donald Trump? Are are, are guys like you, Fred Carger, kind of isolated amongst the electorate there?
4: I would say it's gotten a lot friendlier since Monday. Monday was a little cool. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, you got a lot of Cruz delegates there, like two-thirds of the Texas delegation and Kasich delegates, and of course he snubbed Trump, he didn't even come to the convention, and also um, some Bush and Rubio Mm -hmm. delegates, and they're kind of the establishment people, which I guess I would fall into, Mm -hmm. uh, having been around a long time in Republican politics, are just lukewarm, but I'll tell you, with the the three nights of program, particularly with his kids, and Melania, Mm -hmm. in spite of her... (laughs) Plagiarism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. Uh, I think the the love has been building a little bit.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to uh, kind of get a sense of because uh, how bad, setting aside the fact that you were one of the people booing Ted Cruz uh, for his, I guess, for were you booing for his failure to endorse Donald <laughs> Donald Trump? Do you feel you know, he should have uh, endorsed any,
4: him? Any chance I get to boo Ted Cruz, <laughs> I will do it, and I was was among many other people doing it. I'm booing Ted Cruz mostly for a while. it's a it was a classless act. To do what he did shows the kind of individual he is but i i would not have been at this convention had ted cruz been the nominee you know and the well while trump is all over the place on issues he's certainly not homophobe like Cruz is, and so um behind the times from a couple centuries ago on a lot of the other social issues so yeah i know it's just good to boo him but it was also classless if you're going to be at the someone's party you don't uh go thank him or or um, at least acknowledge their existence and, and a surprise endorsement would have been great But um, now he's got an enemy in Donald Trump Win or lose, I'm sure he'll be involved in his reelection campaign In Texas in two years And a lot of other people It's just a uh, typical, selfish, despised Ted Cruz On the podium with a big audience
0: Well, and yeah, you had told me, Fred, via email I think yesterday that uh, you were that, that you think it's better that Donald Trump Is the nominee than Ted Cruz Really? Really? I mean, I know oh. on the social issues, I know on uh, uh, certainly on uh, you know gay rights and so forth, Trump is, in theory, better than Cruz. But looking at this big picture, you really think uh, <laughs> it, it's better to have a, a Donald Trump? You saw his comments about NATO. You really think that's the case? You'd rather see Trump than Cruz as the nominee?
4: Oh, by far. You know, who knows where Trump is on the issues? He's a New York billionaire with very hip kids who have lots of... Uh, you know, liberal friends, and he does too. And, you know, I think he's a, he's a master promoter. And look what he's done in 13 months. That's what really hit me Monday night, sitting in the convention center. I mean, the arena was that. Look what he's done. I mean, nobody even thought he was going to really run, that he was just toying with it. He's he's done the past several cycles. But he's uh, not only the nominee, but he's taken over the Republican Party. And you know, neck and neck with Hillary. But my choice this election, mm-hmm. because I I really like to vote for somebody that I am excited about, is uh, the Gary Johnson and Bill Weld ticket. And um, actually had a meeting with Gary Johnson today, and um, going to try and help. I think he uh, they're talking about somewhat of a co-presidency, sharing staff and things like that. And these are of course two of my all-time Republican heroes, both very moderate, socially progressive former two-term Republican governor. So while I'm here at the convention, it's mostly for all the goings-on, mm-hmm. uh, which I've overdone a little bit, but um, one more day to go. <laughs> but um, I want to go back to California or wherever and help Gary and Bill Weld.
0: Uh, wait, will you put in a good word uh, to Gary Johnson and Bill Weld uh, that they uh, to come on the broadcast for us, Fred?
4: Absolutely. All that right. would be good. And I'm I want to help him get in that first debate, and get and uh, have Bill Weld get in the first vice presidential debate about ten days later. Mm -hmm. Because then, if that were to happen, anything's possible.
0: Because I know you actually got to know Gary Johnson back in twenty twelve when I think he was originally a Republican presidential candidate, like you, locked out of the uh, uh, the primary debates, as I recall. Um. Uh, listen, we we've been uh, well, seventeen candidates in the GOP race this year, Fred, and somebody like you, a longtime diehard uh, Republican, can't even find someone uh, among that group. I think, as I recall, you were talking about uh, Joe Biden would have been your preference uh, <laughs> last year. Are you really? Yeah, like, isn't the problem? It was- yeah isn't the problem bad here Fred uh, a bad field okay isn't isn't the problem however not the field and really not Donald Trump but at this point isn't the problem a broken party that would you know nominate a Donald Trump in the first place much less put up these you know 17 candidates and none of which Republicans like you could uh, even stomach supporting
4: well 4 years ago we had John Huntsman as one of 12 in the primary, Gary Johnson, mm-hmm. one of 12, both of whom I, I was very excited about their candidacy. But you're right, uh, this, this time, 17. I'm, George Pataki, was, I liked, but he, he wasn't going anywhere. He was one of the original 17, though, the former New York governor. Mm-hmm. So, yes, discouraging. The, the Republican Party has been working in the trenches to take over the county parties, uh, the conservative movement, rather. Take over the county parties, the state parties, and and now the national party, and they've been very successful. And then, of course, Trump comes on the scene with 11 years of a successful reality TV show and takes that formula to the presidential campaign. And I mean, as a political consultant, I got handed to him. He ran a brilliant campaign on an absolute shoestring budget, but you could almost run a Senate race for in in a you know Ohio or something. And so the fact that he did what he did on, on no money, I have to, I, I have great regard for his skills and his team, but it's uh, it's a dangerous situation because who knows what he's going to do from one day to the next. I, I like to think that a lot of his rhetoric, like the NATO comment, is just to to shore up the base, to take it like the the um, British vote that they just had, the Brexit, yeah. Brexit. You know that it's the nationalism, it's uh, people that don't want to uh, really help the rest of the world. And so that, that's what that is signaling. My guess is if he gets in, to the office, he'll be uh, much more responsible in in what he does and says. But who knows? It's Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, who knows? And <laughs> so that's why I, am uh, you know, I, I you say nobody uh, knew that he was going to, that he was serious about this. I'll have to correct you there, Fred. Uh, I knew. Uh, we talked about it on this show last year that it was a very serious thing, not a, a joke candidacy. But I had to say when, when you say uh, the conservative movement, uh, you know, is taking over the party. Uh, it, I just want to clarify. That's not really the conservative, You call we call it the conservative movement, but really it's right wing radicals, and often they're not conservative at all, as guys like you uh, would think of conservatism going back decades. Uh, correct?
4: Yeah, I think since I'm so moderate, I think of the <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. you know the
4: the far right or the evangelical vote as the conservative. But you're right. It's, I, I misstated, and it. it really is the the far, far right, and that's what the party has turned into. And so many in California, case in point, where the voter registration for Republicans has dropped five points. Five points, it's gone down. And, of course, where are those people going? they are no political party for the most part. And the Democrats aren't gaining like they were, too. So there's this unhappiness with both parties. Democrats moving a little too far left. Republicans moving way too far right. And so people are much more comfortable with the middle. And that's why a guy like Gary Johnson, I like because he's a great social liberal and Bill Weld as well. Mm -hmm. But he's a fiscal conservative. He wants to balance the federal budget. He's got a great track record as governor. And I think that that kind of common sense approach um, will will go over well when voters get to know him and and hear of him. And then who knows? I mean, right now, Gallup a year ago, I'm sure more recent numbers, I think 42 percent of the American electorate Are independent declined to state other parties, so you have that as the now majority party as such. Mm -hmm. So he should certainly be on that debate stage because there are more independents and others than there are Republicans or Democrats. So the 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 country's shifting. Um, You've got the the mobilized group of Trumpites that are out there that, and they're here. A lot of them, you know, they're the zealots as, as every candidate gets, but it's it's kind of a new breed. The California delegation is a completely. Different animal than it has been in my other ten conventions. You don't have the Pete Wilson mm-hmm. delegates. These are random people from all over. There's not really any kind of connection to most of them other than Trump, and so you don't get that kind of California bond and camaraderie that we're used to. And we got the norovirus too to yeah, boot.
0: Yeah, well, you don't have it, do you?
4: <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, good. Go but I was I, I, I was out at that hotel for the first night to get my credentials because yeah. I'm here as a guest of the delegation. And I was working with all the staff because they're the ones who, you know, you get your credentials through. So I was a little paranoid for a couple of days. (laughs) I was gingerly eating my pulled pork at the House of Blues California lunch yesterday
0: to get it from
4: food. and. Well, so far, so good.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear. Be, be careful out there, Fred. I know I've got just a, a, another minute or two here with you, and there's a, like three or four things I want to ask you about very quickly. I don't have time to push back on your notion that the Democrat Party, Democratic Party, has moved. A little too far to the left, when in fact I think they've been moving to the right for uh, decades. But we'll we'll save that debate, I guess, for another time. Uh, but I want to ask very quickly: if your party is so broken, w- very quickly, what broke it? What broke your party, Fred Carger?
4: The evangelical right—it's been hijacked. Uh, They—it started with Goldwater, Reagan, then gave him credibility 16 years later, and they've been on a, a roll. And there are a lot of People very unhappy with President Obama, uh, the Tea Party, for instance. And so that's what's really uh, galvanized them. And uh, it's, it's completely shifted the whole demographics of the country now. And it's a sad situation because you have such polarized political parties now and not a lot of in between. And so you have these uh, elected officials particularly that can't get stuff done because they, they're just, it's my way or the highway
0: what are your thoughts on the uh what we've heard the the locker up chance that the you know those that meme that has occurred uh, over the past few days at the convention uh is is that fair is that appropriate is that helpful unhelpful is that like anything we've ever seen uh in in a convention to actually call for jailing uh and or you know injuring uh in some cases the uh the the, uh, the opponent uh, presidential candidate
4: yeah not in my lifetime but you know, they like to get the red meat going and to get the chance from the crowd and um, try to unite the Trump delegates. But, yeah, that's, of course, crossed the line and won't be the first time in this campaign that the Trump operation will will cross that line. So just buckle up and <laughs> see what happens the next Bunch.
0: yeah but you you seem to be supporting the 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 Trump group well I guess you're not I guess you said you're supporting uh, uh, Johnson uh, so are you actively uh, in in supporting Johnson are you actively working against the Republicans against uh, Donald Trump hoping that he does not win would you rather see Hillary Clinton win or Donald Trump win Gary Johnson see G- nice ducking Fred yeah uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> but hey, I,
0: uh, yeah. if he
4: gets into a debate, I'm telling you, anything's possible
0: yeah.
1: is he
4: could catch on and so that's the push. Obviously the long shot first has to get into the polls, which is a tough hurdle that he and I had four years ago and he's having now because this crazy commission on presidential debates, I didn't even know the formal name of it that mm-hmm. comes up with this formula. They've they've decided it's fifteen percent in five national polls, they pick the polls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well
4: the pollsters aren't putting gary johnson on those polls so Mm. how fair is that
0: uh not fair at all i completely agree with you at least on that point lastly last question before i let you go you you sort of alluded to this uh and and the fact you know that the hill clinton and and trump are tied in the polls even when the uh uh, gary johnson and jill stein from the green party are included in those polls um fred carger can Donald Trump actually win this race? Can he actually become president of the United States? In your estimation, having worked for decades on uh, uh, presidential elections, and if so, does that concern you?
4: It's an interesting situation. This year is a little different because you have record high negatives, highest since polling began, of both candidates. Mm-hmm. So it's a hold your nose and vote for for a particular candidate, but. I've always operated under the theory that the nominee of each party has a 50-50 chance of success, unless there are more than two parties, uh, serious parties, going. So, yes, Trump does have, a, I would say, a, an equal chance of beating Clinton. And, of course, he's a master at, at earned media and getting under her skin, and it's going to be a real horse race, and it's going to come down to about five states, presumably. But everything's changed. You can have the problem where his voters are much more dedicated, as we usually see in Republicans. Conservatives are much more likely to vote, and if they're not too enthralled with her, particularly all those millions and millions of Bernie supporters, they just might stay home, and that could spell a Trump victory.
0: And does that? You're going to have
4: to go to Canada.
0: Does that? Well, does that? Never mind me. Does that concern you? <laughs> does that concern you? You, a uh, 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 Trump presidency. <laughs>
4: Believe it or not, not as much as four years ago. I'm much more comfortable with a Trump presidency than a Romney presidency.
0: How about then a Hillary Clinton presidency, Fred?
4: You know, she's a known commodity and uh, certainly better on the issues that I really care about. But I, and I was a maxed-out donor and supporter of hers eight years ago. But I think she's past that time now, and I think uh, I'd wish, as I said earlier on just show... Another broadcast that uh, mm-hmm. Biden it was to a time for him. And, um, but of course, that didn't materialize. But anyway, I hate to do this. Yeah. I better run.
0: I know. Yeah, I know. I know you got to go. I just wanted to give you the I chance. Got a meeting. Yeah, I wanted to give you the chance. You you've proven yourself an excellent uh, campaign operative with your tap dancing today, <laughs> as usual. Fred Carger, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today. <laughs> Thanks, Check him out on the twitters at Fred Carger and of course at Fred Stay safe, Fred. Thank you very much. You bet. All right, a quick break, and we're back with uh, more of this fine mess right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. <laughs> Got the whole world. He needs sense. He's got the whole world. He needs troubling. Or it should be. He needs sense. he got the whole world in his it mm-hmm. Welcome back to the it's Bradcast. The Brad Friedman world. from Bradblog.com. Uh, The uh, Talking Points memo rounded up the three most dangerous things that Trump said in what they describe as his bonkers New York Times foreign policy interview. Uh, America's role in assisting NATO allies. Trump hesitated in saying the U.S. would automatically come to the defense of the 28 members of NATO. The Times asked specifically if Trump would, in light of Russia's recent aggressions as they describe it, assist the smaller Baltic states that mostly, that most recently joined NATO if Russia were to attack. The real estate mogul responded that he would assist those allies After considering whether they, quote, have fulfilled their obligations to us. That was one point Um, that led to the uh, NATO chief, uh, according to uh, who is this BuzzFeed? I believe this is BuzzFeed. Uh, Yeah, calling for solidarity and warning that European security is tied to the safety of the U.S., following remarks by Donald Trump that he would intervene to help NATO allies who, quote, fulfilled their obligations to the U.S. Uh, Secretary General Jans Stoltenberg told BuzzFeed News, quote, solidarity among allies is a key value for NATO. This is good for European security and good for U.S. security. The fact that the uh, that the Secretary General of NATO has to come out and address the media and sort of speak in terms that, as if he's you know speaking to a third grader, to say solidarity among allies is key for NATO, that he's got to put it in those terms is kind of amazing. BuzzFeed notes the Article Five of NATO uh, NATO's treaty st- uh, states that the twenty eight members. The U.S. was a founding member in 1949, agreed to come to the aid of any member should they be attacked. Stoltenberg noted that although he did not wish to, quote, interfere in the U.S. election, quote, what I can do is say what matters for NATO. Two world wars have shown that peace in Europe is also important for the security of the United States. Unquote. Again, speaking like he's speaking to a, a, a third grader about this. Um, that's kind of amazing. That was part of this Times interview, New York Times interview. Uh, He also, uh, Trump did, repeated his proposal to rein in U.S. troops abroad and bring military bases back to American soil, saying that if we decide we have to defend the U.S., we can always deploy from American soil and it would be a lot less expensive. So he's calling for pulling back troops from around the world. Now, the thing is, a lot of people might well agree with that. I might well agree with that uh, to a certain extent. We've got a lot of troops around a lot of the world. But when you look at the actual transcript of what he said, first off, by the way, uh, the Trump campaign, Paul Manafort basically went out and lied and said uh, the New York Times misquoted Mr. Trump. And it turns out. And then so the New York Times puts out the full transcript. And no, he wasn't really misquoted in the least. This is exactly what he said. These quotes. Um, But on this point about having troops around the world in key in key places around the world, Trump said, and I'll read you directly from the transcript, said, um, how is it helping us? How has it helped us? We have massive trade deficits. I could see that if instead of having a trade deficit worldwide of 800 billion, we had a trade positive of 100 billion, 200 billion, 800 billion. So, how has it helped us? You know, having troops out around the world. David Sanger, the uh, New York Times interviewer here who did this interview along with Maggie Haberman, uh, says in response, Trump says, how has it helped us out? Sanger says, well, keeping the peace, we didn't have a presence in places like Korea in 1950 uh, or not as great a presence. And you saw what happened. For those people who don't know, we had a war in Korea in 1950. Trump said, well, there's no guarantee that we'll have peace in Korea. Sanger says, even with our troops, no, there's no guarantee. Trump says, no, there's no guarantee. We have 28,000 soldiers on the line, Sanger, but we have had them there since 1953. And Trump says, sure, but that doesn't mean that there wouldn't be something going on right now. Uh, Maybe you would have had a unified Korea. Who knows what would have happened? In the meantime, what have we done? Uh, Sanger says, well, we keep our missile defenses out there. And those missile defenses help prevent the day when North Korea can reach the United States with one of its missiles. It's a lot easier to shoot down from there. Trump says, well, we've had them there for a long time, and now they're practically obsolete in all fairness.
1: So journalists are having to educate Donald Trump on how basic geopolitics works. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Basic warfare, basic defense.
0: Here's the thing. There are a lot of people out there. Uh, who who are going to read that transcript if they bother to read that transcript? And there are some, as usual with Donald Trump, there are some appealing ideas in there uh, in the midst of the crazy. Are, yes, that are warped along with uh, all of these other ideas about which he doesn't really know what he is talking. And um, but he you know he throws it out there and it sounds appealing. You know, but it leads to our allies like the the chief of NATO having to come out and, and explain, well, you know, this kind of this treaty has helped to bring stability. This treaty that came out of World War Two after successive world wars that, uh, you know, that th- hurt
1: that, the United States, too,
0: that followed on a cycle of violence in Europe and around the world. And. The fact that he doesn't seem to understand that and that even if you wanted to change the way that NATO worked, even if you wanted to change the way we have troops deployed around the country, um, there are ways to go about it that doesn't freak out the rest of the world. But you know what? To the low information voters, this stuff is likely to be very appealing. And so far it has proven to be. Despite what I've described as Democrats in denial now for months, it used to be Republicans who were in denial about Donald Trump. Now it's Democrats who are in denial about Donald Trump. And, you know, I keep getting in trouble with progressives, when I po- with supposed progressives, really, Democrats, when I point out the fact that, you know, hey, look at this. Look at this poll. Look at that poll. Look at this poll. A whole bunch of independent polls showing that, by and large, uh, Hillary Clinton is up a couple of points But we had another poll out today from the L.A. Times showing nationally, in any event, that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are tied. The average has her up about two points over Donald Trump. When asked uh, how he would uh, deal with Turkey, uh, who is a NATO ally nation, where we had this uh, coup to start this amazing week, the latest amazing week uh, when he was asked how he would solve the issue of Turkey attacking the Kurdish forces that the U.S. has supported in combating the Islamic State, ISIS, uh, out in that region. Trump reportedly paused and responded with one word. Meetings. He would hold meetings. That'll do it. That'll get the uh, the, the that'll get Erdogan together with the uh, Kurdish Peshmerga. I. Anyway, you know, sometimes it's it's beyond words. Maybe I'm getting to that point in this particular week. Uh, But there's still more to go and we will bring it to you in our next thrilling edition of the broadcast. My thanks as ever to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Fred Carger, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us and for helping to share the broadcast uh, around the world any way you can to help us get out the world word and uh, sort of help balance so much of the BS that is out there. You can also drop me email if you like. <laughs> almost said speaking of BS. Drop me email. My <laughs> email address is bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog. And we'll be back with you again next time. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck world he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands